In 1 Peter 4, we read, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Last week on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we began hearing about a woman who went through the kind of fiery trial that Peter wrote about. Sister Amber told a group of nomadic people in Tibet about Jesus. A few days later, she was detained by police on trumped-up charges, interrogated, pressured to sign a false confession, and beaten. And of course, it got pretty bad. In the midst of that trial, Amber realized what it was to share in Christ's sufferings, just as Peter wrote about. The Lord just said to me, they're persecuting me. Will you lend me your body? They're not per- it's me they're persecuting. Will you love them? First Peter 4 also says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. It was in that moment that he started giving me the strength of the Holy Spirit to withstand. I could feel the blows, but you know, they didn't hurt as much. It was like Jesus was taking the impact almost the whole time for me. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Last week, we heard part one of a moving story from a dear sister, a gospel worker in Tibet. For her protection, we're not using her real name here on the air, but just calling her sister Amber. If you missed part one, you'll want to go back and listen to it at vomradio.net. Now let's pick back up with Sister Amber. When we left off last week, she had been in prison for three days and her persecution was getting more intense. They had on the table this paper that they wanted me to write and admit to things that I hadn't done. You get to a point where you think, well, should I just write this or shouldn't I? You know, what, 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 what do you do? You don't know what to do. You have nobody to talk to, not in the physical sense. I only had the Lord. I could only rely on Jesus. That's when he imparted in, in my spirit that I was just to write my test me down and to write the reason I'm here in, in Tibet is to bring the love of Christ to these people and to them even as persecutors because he loves them and he wants them in his kingdom and they were ripping it up making me write again making me write again and leaving me sometimes for hours they would come in rip everything up and they really started getting more physical with me every impact he said now love them and tell them verbalize it to them and this is what I did I just I just had the strength in me to say, God loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. Yeshu Aini, Yeshu Aini in Chinese, because they were Chinese. In my mind's eye, I see them getting more and more frustrated. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're trying to scare this lady. We're trying to cause her pain. 
and all she's doing is responding that Jesus loves us. Did yes. you see that kind yes. of anger and yes. frustration? Yes. And, and eventually, actually, what then also happened, three of them left. And they left me with two. The three left, they were so frustrated and angry they got out. But the two they left me with were the worst. And they were just really, really trying to rip into me. That's when I could start saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because the physical aspects were not pleasant at all as a woman as well. They were just really trying to get me into a place of such submission to them that I would end up doing anything they wanted. But God prevailed in that. Yeah. So even in the interrogation chamber, even under torture, persecution, yeah. torture, yeah. your testimony is God was there and well, he well, empowered me yes. to stand firm. Yes, and to yes, and to love them. When we read in the scripture that uh you know, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say. When, when you're interrogated mm, yes. and when you're questioned, yes. what does that verse mean to you now that it didn't mean to you before this experience? I think it was a great encouragement to know that I didn't have to admit to anything without God's permission. And that in the eyes of the Lord, I was okay. I had done nothing wrong. It also gave me the strength to remain silent, even though they were wanting me to respond and to say things and to give in. But the way the Lord just held my heart and kind of closed my mouth, <laughs> the only thing was his love. And Father, forgive them. I've, you know, for they know not what they do. And what was implanted in my heart, my righteousness is in him. The truth of who I am is in him. He knows me. They don't know me. This is just Satan trying to uh, corner me or make me confess to things that I'm, I've, I've never done. And the Lord is standing as a shield and saying, no, this is my child. And you will never, ever accuse her of anything because she's mine, she's my child, and she's righteous and true before me. Uh, it, it was just such a comfort in a way to know that I could rely on him as well, and I could know I could start tr really trusting him, that if there was something else also he wanted me to say, he would put it in my heart. So really, even on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, you were yes. just waiting on the Lord. Yes, yes. What I do you want praying. me to say? Yes. Or don't say anything at all. Yes. That's just amazing for us to yes. think about having that willingness to say, even when these yes. guys are beating yes. on me, okay, Lord, if you don't want me to say anything, I'll just be quiet. Yes. It's like he took my mind and controlled it with his. It's interesting, the, the issue of controlling your mind. I think mm -hmm. there's a verse about them putting on the yes. mind of Christ, Christ. Yes. even in that setting, yes. there's that opportunity. Okay, Christ, I want your mind, yeah, not my mind. mind. Yes, because me, in my human capacity, I want to run away. I want this to stop. It's just too painful. But he gave me that, just, just him in me, just strengthened my body. And it was his thoughts. It was his love. It was his mouth 
that spoke. At the end of your time of persecution, mm. um, they released you. Yeah. They said, go out of our country and don't come back. Yeah. Uh, if you do come back, you're going to go to prison. Yeah. How did that how did that feel well, when that day came and you realized, okay, the Lord has seen me through these months. I've been faithful to him, and now I'm free. It's an anticlimax, really. I was shocked at, at the sort of sentence. I was also relieved, very deeply relieved that somehow God's, God's moved and I'm free. But I also, I also didn't trust it. Because it, I was going overland too, so it wasn't like to the airport and out. It was sort of overland, so I'm thinking, well, what's going to happen along the way? And and they could change at any any moment. It was also a lot of pain because I was leaving a group of people that I can never come back to, who I've given my heart for. It was really a mixed bag of emotions. I can't say. I was relieved, but I was also very, very sad, very heartbroken at the thought of not being able to return to this beautiful country, to these beautiful people who I really, really had a deep love and care cared about. But I was also incredibly relieved. And I think it's interesting because obviously Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Yeah. God said to you several times during this period, it's, it's not, not finished. finished. Yes. I'm not done. That was Amazing, because when I now knew that I was going to be freed, set free at the border between Tibet and Nepal, a big question in my heart was, why has this all happened? What was this all about? I've learned their language, all this sort of thing. Like, what, what is this all about? And then him reminding me, but it's not finished. I have a bigger purpose for your life, and your ministry is going to increase. It's going to be even bigger than what it has been. And I kept thinking, well, what do you mean by that, Lord? Because I'm I'm leaving Tibet. <laughs> this is where my heart is. This is where my, these people are. And it was then that he sh showed me through my journey down to, to Kathmandu. When I got to Kathmandu and this travel agent that, that I was brought to, and the director of this travel agent came down, lovely man, who God just used to bless me. He took me into his office to have some tea and that, and then and I was I was just crying and broken and just really trying to you're trying to control yourself but you can't because you're just so you in this anticlimax. Everything is just unburdening on you and you're just crying. And he was so kind and so thoughtful. And the way they kept on saying Nepal. It's okay. Nepal's a good place. <laughs> You're free now. You're free it's okay. Now. And and in his office, it was in his office, and he pu he pushed this this DVD across to me and said, "This is a film that's been made, a documentary film for the first time, made of all the Tibetans found in the Himalayas of Nepal." And he he put it pushed it to me and said, "I know you love Tibetan people." And right there and then, at that moment, I felt the Lord saying, see, it's not finished. The same group of nomads are found in the Himalayas here in Nepal, just across the border from Tibet. He also revealed to me in that time that China, very bizarrely, they had just recently, in the recent 
years reopened an ancient trade route between the nomads of Tibet, the Ngari nomads of Tibet and the Ngari nomads of, of Nepal. Wow. And it was like a conduit that Lord then just showed me up in, in, in this particular region in Nepal where these nomads are. And they and they'd only done it about a few years ago. I wasn't aware of that until I got to Nepal. And then it was like the Lord just saying to me, see, see it's not finished. I have a plan. <laughs> yes. Um, so that, that, just, that just jolled in my heart. And I want you to share a little bit because you shared in chapel. Again, we're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Sister Amber. Uh, she has been a gospel worker in the nation of Tibet, you shared this morning about a drawing in your mom's prayer book yes. after you mm. eventually got out, after you got yeah. back with your mom. You hadn't really been able to communicate to yeah. a lot of people from within this situation, but your mom showed you something in her prayer book, and I want you to share that because it's pretty amazing. Yes. When I got home to my country um, and my mom had been praying for me because she had been aware I have an amazing mother. She's a great prayer warrior, and she loves the Lord with all her heart. And I just thank the Lord every day for such a mum. When I got home, one of the first things she showed me was her notebook at the time of praying for me, and she had this drawing of a table with me sitting on the other side and five policemen, five people on the other side, and she didn't know. She had no clue that that was the setup I initially had at all. But the Lord imprinted this on her heart. And she was praying over that sort of drawing that she made. As, and my mum was showing me on the drawing. She pointed to one person, the head of one of the people. And, show, and the Lord showed her he's got a special, very special plan for that man who's one of the policemen that was interrogating me. And it's out of that that was such confirmation again to me when at the time of going through this kind of interrogation and, and persecution that when the Lord said, also clearly said to me, these people who persecute you, the only way they're ever going to know about me is through them persecuting my children. They're an unreached group of people. They never, ha they will never have the opportunity of knowing about Jesus Christ. This is the way they meet my children and come to know who I am. Amazing. <laughs> Which is, how do you think of that? It's so. It's just. Again, the Lord just saying to me, so will you let me use your body so that they can come to know me as their Lord and Savior? They can have the opportunity for the first time in their lives to know who I am. And so thousands of miles away, not knowing what you're mm -hmm. going through, your mom draws a picture in her notebook of you mm -hmm. at a table mm -hmm. with five men around you. Yeah. And God says, this guy right here, I got big plans for him. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> I want to encourage our listeners because 
We don't know that guy's name, and if we did, we wouldn't tell you. But I want you to join in that prayer mm-hmm. um, that that God has said, I have big plans for this guy. Yes. And I want you to join in yes. praying that God's plans will be fulfilled in his life. Whatever yes. that means, however God's going to get a hold mm-hmm. of him, we don't know all those answers. Yeah. We may not know till we get to heaven. But just I want you to join in that prayer uh, with us here, with Sister Amber and with her mom and her prayer notebook, um, Mm. that you will just uh, join in that prayer. Mm. Amber, one of the things that that amazes me and I think amazes American Christians, because Mm. we're we're pretty comfortable, um, the New Testament talks about persecution as an honor. Mm. Uh, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for yes. the name. Yes. What do you say to that? How, how do you respond to that? Because you've been there. You've yeah. experienced it. At the time, you don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Please give this honor to someone else. I don't think the Lord asks us to go and look for it. But he, he was gracious enough to warn us that these things will happen because of him. Having gone through it, and I look back now, it was an awesome privilege. I can say that from the depth of my heart. And if people say, ask me now, would you, you know, if if you could have avoided it, would you have? Well, Firstly, I don't know how to answer that, because how do you avoid such a thing? You don't know when it's going to come. They could come in any moment in that door. You don't know. You you don't have that kind of forewarning. But I know in my heart, yes, Lord, it is a privilege. And sometimes it's a cross that we he wants us to bear. And when I realized, too, that as he had put to me that this is the only way these who persecute my children will come to know him, that was just such a revelation to me of his love for them and made me think, okay, God, if, it, if this is what it takes to save even them, to bring them into the kingdom, and if this is what it means for your church to grow so that more can come to know you, then, Lord, I, I don't belong to myself. I belong to him. And I truly feel that. And I just, I just now sit back in awe that he, he considered me worthy of such an honor and such a privilege. And it's not me, it's him. It's all him. None of it is me. It can never be me. It's just <laughs> God, you know. One of the ways that I think God prepared you for this uh, is... You knew people within the Chinese house church that had been persecuted. Yes. What did you draw out of their testimonies or out of their experiences that God reminded you of when it was your turn? Their courage, their um, persevering spirit, their total, total devotion to God, regardless. I'm amazed. The underground church in China is the most amazing church you could ever come in contact with. It is a real privilege, a real, real humbling privilege 
to do some work with them and to get to know people who are constantly incarcerated. They're in and out or in for long periods of time. Their whole family suffers. But to see the growth of their faith like never before. And these are people who don't even all have Bibles. They still don't. There's still a need, great need for more Bibles. And yet the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives is so evident, it makes you hunger for it. And now I've had the privilege of having felt that and experienced that. I, I knew a few who have been incarcerated a number of times, and it's always, always moved me. And I could listen to them over and over and over again. When you were incarcerated, were there particular stories or people that you thought of? Yes. of oh, they went through this yes. too. Yes. Brother Paul, who I mentioned, we call him Paul. He'd been incarcerated. I don't know how many times his whole family suffered incredibly. And he's a wonderful man of God. And I hope one day his story gets out because... He would take up his Bible and he'd go into the villages and into the mountains, preaching, sharing the gospel, drawing people to Christ. And he's got a big heart for the minority groups of China. And the police will come and arrest him. And his attitude is, okay, it's prison ministry. (laughs) (laughs) And they take him. They take his Bible away because they, they try to re-educate. And I know he one day told me how they put him under these incredible lamps to keep him awake all day, all night, so that he couldn't sleep and to confuse his mind. So he just closed his eyes and he told me, I closed my eyes and I imagine that this is the glory of the Holy Spirit just falling on me. This bright light is just filling me up with the Lord's love and truth for them so they could never break him. And in fact, he came out stronger every time. (laughs) And again, I see those Chinese police getting more and more frustrated. How are we going to break this guy? How are we going to get a hold of him? And do you know that's actually why they often released him? Because he he, he was such a problem. (laughs) The prison guards started coming to know the Lord because of him. And then the sort of the prison warden came to him with his Bible, gave it to him, and said, "Please get out! You, you, all these people. We, we have to arrest all of them now because they now believe what you believe. Please go. We don't want you here anymore." It was just one of those amazing stories, and he was very grateful. Took the Bible, and then they, he's, and he was threatened. They told him, "Now don't you go preaching up in in the villages again." So he said, I just smiled at them and said, fine, you know where to find me when you want me back in prison. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that attitude that God gave him, an attitude of love, but also with a lovely sense of humor, which brought that brother through so much and his family. Yeah. There is something about the joy that you see in a brother like that is, is contagious and amazing. Yes. Um, when you think about all they've gone through and all they go through again, and they're going to go yes. through next week, yes. and yet they have that sense of hopefulness and joy. I'm I'm so thankful for the time that we've had together and for your testimony and your faithfulness. As we finish out, one of the things we always want to do is equip people to pray. Um, you've mm. been in the interrogation room. You've been mm. in the jail mm. cell. 
How do we pray for those brothers and sisters who are there now, today? Pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would, would be upon them, that would be a tangible comfort to them like he was to me. I never felt Jesus so close. He was like, I'm sitting talking to you. It was like he was right there in the room. I didn't see him, but I felt him physically. I even at times felt his arms around me. Ask the Lord that to to comfort their spirits, to know that he is with them right in the midst of the pain and the horror that they, they're facing, that they're going through, and that he would give them, implant in their hearts, the courage to stand on their faith and to love, to fill them with a love, a deep, deep love for those who are who are persecuting them, even in the face of being beaten and physically handled in, in really terrible ways, ways that you don't even want to speak of, um, that the Lord would also show them, as he showed me, that they're persecuting him, but that he will hold them and enable them to withstand every single blow of the enemy that is meted out on their bodies. And just that he would fill them with with his glory, with his love, and that these persecutors as well, there's a plan for somebody. There's always a plan for somebody, even if it's not all of them, but somebody that's persecuting them. God's got a plan for that person. Um, And let that be implanted somewhere in their hearts to know and to perhaps be able to focus their love on one particular person that's persecuting them. I know that they themselves would come through it and would probably also say the same thing as what Paul said, don't pray for persecution to end because it does grow your faith and your trust in God like never before. God, I thank you that I know that I know that I know that you are my God. I know who you are. You're so real to me. And I just pray for the Western Church to get that in their hearts as well. The sad thing is I know it's probably going to come through persecution. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not an easy path no. to that knowledge. No. Sister Amber, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing Mm. with us. Uh, Our prayer is that God will take this broadcast and he will use it uh, to challenge some of those Western Mm. Christians, maybe to deepen their faith, maybe to draw somebody into Mm. full-time service, Mm. uh, maybe to go to Tibet, maybe to go to Asia, Mm. uh, maybe to go to somewhere else in the world. But thank you for your faithfulness Mm. and thank you for sharing so Mm. openly with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We've been hearing this week on the Voice of the Martyrs radio from a gospel worker that we call Sister Amber, arrested and persecuted in the closed nation of Tibet. You can hear this interview again online at vomradio.net. I'm going to be honest with you. You might want to listen two or three times to draw out some of the truths that Sister Amber has shared with us. There is really a lot of depth to her story uh, and the way that God ministered to her in the midst of her suffering. This might be a great episode to share with your Christian friends, your Sunday school teacher, your pastor, or somebody else you know who needs some encouragement right now. Maybe they're in a dark time themselves. 
Again, you can listen to this episode as well as every episode of Voice of the Martyrs Radio, Conversations with Christians from Around the World at vomradio.net. There's also a link there to subscribe to the VOM Radio podcast so you'll never miss an episode of VOM Radio. I hope you'll be back with us next week. We're going to hear from a man who was born in the nation of Iran. As a child, he witnessed his 12-year-old cousin die at the hands of the Islamic regime. But that tragedy set him on the path of questioning his Islamic faith, questioning that eventually led him into the arms of Christ. We're going to hear that story next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. This is Todd Nettleton, and I just want to say thank you for listening to the podcast this week. I hope Amber's story has blessed and challenged you as much as it did me sitting here in the studio with her. If you're being impacted and blessed by VOM Radio, I'd love to hear from you. We're going to try something this week we've never done before. I'm going to draw the names of four listeners who contact us this week and send each one of them a copy of VOM's new I Am In book, as well as the Shadow Inn t-shirt from Voice of the Martyrs. Here's how you can indicate that you're listening and be in the drawing for the book and the shirt. You can send an email to radio at vom.org. Give me your mailing address, your t-shirt size, and let me know one guest or comment or quote or something that we've said that's helped you fellowship with our persecuted brothers and sisters. Again, put that in an email and send it to radio at vom.org. The second way you can be entered is to send a tweet with the hashtag VOMRadio. Tweet out a quote from Amber or another guest or tell your friends to go to vomradio.net and listen, but definitely include the hashtag VOMRadio. So two ways to enter, email radio at vom.org or tweet with the hashtag VOMRadio. We're going to draw four names total for a free book and t-shirt. We're going to draw the names on April 25th, so don't wait too long to do this. Thank you again for listening. I want you to know that every time we come into the studio to record one of these interviews, we pray, and one of the things we pray is that you, the listener, will be impacted by the words we say, by the stories we tell. I trust that God is answering that prayer as you listen to each week's episode of The Voice of the Martyrs Radio.